scripture is John chapter 6, 51 through 58. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats of this bread will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. The Jews then disputed among themselves, saying, How can this man give us his flesh to eat? So Jesus said to them, Very truly I tell you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood have eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. For my flesh is true food, and my blood is true drink. Those who eat my flesh and drink my blood abide in me, and I in them. Just as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so whoever eats me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven, not like that which your ancestors ate, and they died. But the one who eats this bread will live forever. This is a story of faith and faithful struggle. Thanks be to God. As we enter this time of delving into the Word of God, let us pray together. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of each one of our hearts be acceptable to you, O Holy One, our Rock and our Redeemer. And may we, like Samuel, cry out and say, Speak, Lord, for we are listening. Amen. Our liturgist, Veronica Nugent, has just read yet another pericope from the Gospel of John about Jesus as the bread of life, the bread of heaven. The whole of chapter 6 is devoted to this rich and, dare I say, decadent topic. This part of the scripture really sounded to outsiders like cannibalism during certain ages. Eat my body, drink my blood. But like so many other things we read in the Bible, it is not meant to be taken literally. It is metaphor. It is symbol. Norman Wurzbaugh, in his book Food, Food and Faith, says, Some of the sayings and prayers of the mystery religions are very beautiful. In the mysteries of Mithra and ancient Indo-Iranian mythology, the initiate prayed, Abide with my soul. Leave me not, that I may be initiated and that the Holy Spirit may dwell within me. We must remember that those ancient people knew all about the striving, the longing, the dreaming for identity with their God, for the bliss of taking God into themselves and taking themselves into God. They would not read phrases like eating Christ's body and drinking his blood with a crude and shocked literalism. Communion is a symbol of that holy act of coming together in beloved community as the Church of God, sharing one body, reaching out in love to the whole world. It's been really hard for me, theologically, to have communion virtually this past year during COVID. For me, this symbol is deeply meaningful. As a child raised in Christian science, we did not have communion in the way that the Methodist Church does. We had a remembrance twice a year that included kneeling, but not taking of bread and juice. 
for me, that incarnational act of sharing Christ's body is central to my faith. During COVID, I've imagined you gathering your bread and juice on your living room coffee table as I spread my arms and say the ritual words to bless it, and then invited you to eat and drink, that we may be one together in Christ, all of us gathered at this holy worship time. As we return to in-person worship, where cases of the Delta variant of COVID are spiking, we have chosen to use these little prepackaged cups to keep physical contact to a minimum. And this breaks my heart. One of the things pastors learn in seminary is the importance of the symbols in religious life. We do certain rituals in certain ways because they represent an underlying thought or deep meaning. Our official United Methodist document on Holy Communion called This Holy Mystery affirms the use of a whole loaf best signifies the unity of the church as the body of Christ. And when it is broken and shared, it is just like Jesus, our fellowship in that body. The single cup or chalice that's used for intinction or dipping the bread into that common chalice represents Christian unity. Other churches to which I have been appointed have used those little glasses and cubed bread blast on platters, and this seemed at first glance to be a choice of convenience and one that disregarded the importance of that symbol of the whole loaf of bread, the single chalice of juice. As I reflected on it, I realized that over the centuries there have been times when hygiene, like now, takes precedence that curtailing the spread of germs could be best accomplished with individual servings. In one of those previous churches, members articulated their strong preference for the cubed bread and tiny cups because they were neater and wouldn't dribble a purple stain on their Sunday best. And so we undertook a lively 10-week study about the true meaning of Holy Communion. But my very wise mentor, Bob Sweet, in my first church reflected with me that that particular congregation was small and would come to the communion rail all at the same time, some kneeling and some standing in the second row, and they would all take communion as one body. This was such a lovely expression of the true meaning of communion. It was clearly the right thing to do for that congregation in that time. And so, while it is not optimal, having communion virtually this past year and having these little cups now is what we'll do for the immediate future. According to this holy mystery, the United Methodist Church's official document on communion, the Lord's Supper reminds us that Jesus Christ is the host and that we participate at Christ's invitation. Jesus invites us to take part in the special meal he ate with his disciples the night before his crucifixion and other meals he shared in homes and on hillsides. The term Holy Communion invites us to focus on the self-giving of the Holy God, which makes the sacrament an occasion of grace and on the holiness of our communion with God and with one another. This holy mystery continues to describe that we offer ourselves and our gifts of bread and wine to God with thanksgiving. And then we ask for the Holy Spirit to be poured upon us and on these gifts that they might become for us the body and blood of Christ, nourishing us who have been redeemed by his blood to be the body of Christ in the world.
Do you hear our mission statement in those words? Growing with God so that we can go to serve? Listen, receiving the body of Christ so that we can share the body of Christ in the world? Whether I'm using the word God or Christ, we are talking about divine love that creates all things, moves through each of us, and guides us. Communion is our meal. It is our feeding. We need that sustenance, and we need it regularly. In the prayer after receiving, we affirm this. We pray, grant that we may go into the world in the strength of your spirit to give ourselves for others in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Taylor Burton Edwards, a United Methodist worship consultant, summarizes what we're doing in the Eucharist communion is a double thing. When we receive the body and blood of Christ, that we may be for the world the body of Christ redeemed by his blood, we are remembering, remembering. At the same time, we are also remembered, put back together again as the body of Christ. We pray that we may be one with Christ, one with each other, and one in ministry to all the world. God's work of making us one and uniting us with Christ, with each other, and in our witness and life in the world is the ordinary way by which God feeds us, sustains us, and empowers us to live as Christians in the world. But I think there's an important distinction there that we're not simply receiving the bread so that we can be fed and feed others, I think it's equally important to teach them to make the bread themselves, to appreciate all the bread, all that it is, and in turn share it with others. What I mean is this, we need to act on our faith, not just feeding the poor, but sharing the good news that made us want to help them so that now they can know that joy themselves. Not just growing with God so that we can go to serve, but also transforming, going that next step to transform the world by teaching and empowering others to come alongside, to partner with us, to join with us in mission and ministry to the world. It seems sometimes we confuse fellowship with chit-chat at the water cooler or hanging out at potluck when the most fundamental concept of koinonia, the Greek word for church, is sharing and participation. We are called to be in partnership with one another. Partners. And not just the people who are already here, but also all of the people that could be here. I fear that's where the modern church fails. We're happy to come for our own reasons, but we shy away from sharing that opportunity with others. And it's such a glorious thing to offer to all the world. In his book, again, Food and Faith, Norman Wurzba says, Jesus is not simply the provider of the bread. He is the full meaning of bread. The nurture that came down from heaven and gives life to the world. The bread Jesus is not simply a product like manna that can temporarily satisfy a physical hunger. Bodies are the practical medium through which the faith is worked out. Nothing that God has created, therefore, is worthless or to be despised. Nothing is to be forgotten or abandoned, which is why in the end all things must be gathered up and reconciled so that God can be all in all. All in all. It isn't just the people who are currently here. It is everyone, everywhere. 
I'm not looking for more viewers or more likes or more people in the pews or more dollars in the offering plate, even though those things would contribute to our ability to do our mission. I'm really looking for each of us to share the joy of what we are given with others so that they too might be satisfied with the bread of heaven. In her commentary, John, Karen Lewis situates this ending to the bread of life discourse in the Gospel of John in the context of the feeding of the 5,000. Jesus, in John's Gospel, is the conduit for this miracle of turning scarcity into abundance through collective sharing and redistribution. Jesus sets the feeding moment into motion and it ripples through the crowd. The Bread of Life commentary that follows throughout the rest of chapter 6 helps interpret that miracle. Jesus defines himself as inseparable from the miracle, from the bread, from the act of facilitating the abundance in community. This, a divine gift from the heavens, just like the manna provided to the ancestors, hungry, wondering how they would be sustained in mind, body, and spirit well before this gathered crowd. In this text, Jesus invites the listening crowd into the deepest kinds of sustenance to take in the very embodiment of practicing God. For this God practice to become a part of their own body, to be nourished by bread, yes, to feed and to be fed in the most literal of senses, and to also hear that this man standing before them is the stuff of heaven, that his actions and their actions, when in line with love and liberation, become inseparable from God, that the gifts of, and sustenance of God, the bread of life, are received by and through one another. We take them in, we pass them around, and we choose to partake and also to extend to others. Through the lives we have been given, the choices we make, the tables we set, what we pocket, or what we pass around. Christianity would be a poor thing if Christ were confined to churches. It's John's belief that we can find Christ anywhere in a Christ-filled world. It is not that he belittles the sacrament, it is that he expands the sacrament so that we find Christ at the table in the Church of Christ and then go out to find him everywhere where people meet together to enjoy the gifts of God. A Midrash, which is an ancient Hebrew commentary, tells us that when the world was created, God made everything a little bit incomplete. Rather than making bread grow right out of the earth, God made wheat grow so that we might make it into bread. In this way, we could become partners in completing the work of creation. Recognition, repetition, reverence, receiving, these are ways that we grow to know that we ourselves are integral parts of the whole. We too are manna. God invites us into the co-creating of the bread of life, the bread of heaven, the connective, nourishing substance of our very faith, of our very being. May it be so. Thanks be to God for this indescribable gift. Amen.